I emailed them the next week. They wrote about. So within three weeks, I was featured like three different. Uh, Within three weeks, you're yeah. featured three times, three times on TechCrunch, tech all yeah. through cold emails. I'm sure they're starting to get to know you at this yeah, point. Yeah, they, uh, they did because then they would mention my name. That it was like, oh, the guy that did this one did this one. So that, that at that point, it was kind of it went kind of very fast of that little, you know, little fame. Yeah. <laughs> but it went up and down very fast. Welcome to Montreal Startups, a show where we cover local, innovative, fast-growing companies and the inspiring stories behind them. On today's show, we talked to Felipe Coimbra, founder of multiple tech startups, including most recently, Untask. Let's start by making a little Venn diagram here. How many serial entrepreneurs do you know? Okay, now how many serial entrepreneurs do you know that have also started a nonprofit focused on helping Syrian refugees? Now add to that, serial entrepreneurs that have started a nonprofit lived in, yes, lived in, not visited, 19 cities throughout their life and got featured on TechCrunch literally within hours of launching an app. It's okay if that number is zero because it's about to increase after listening to this episode. His name is Felipe Coimbra and it's fair to say he's a pretty unique entrepreneur. When he gets an idea in his head, he wastes no time tackling and developing it almost immediately. And what's even cooler is he hasn't shut down a single one of his projects. They're all still up and running today, generating real income. His latest project is an AI-based intelligent task manager called Untask, designed to help us organize and prioritize our busy lives. Felipe decided to work on the AI project right here in Montreal. There's no better place in the world actually to work on AI than this very city. Felipe's story does in fact resemble that of most entrepreneurs. Growing up in Brazil, his entrepreneurial inspiration came from his father, who had opened multiple juice shop locations while working a full-time job. This ended up becoming Felipe's first hands-on business experience before moving to the U.S. While I was in school, I was just working on on just personal web development and doing uh, different projects. My first project actually was a web analytics uh, site. It was called iStats. Uh, that was actually before Google Analytics uh, bought Urchin. Was it the when they bought? They became Google Analytics. So you, your first project when you get to the U.S. right away is involved in tech. You moved to the U.S. when you were 19. In your childhood in Brazil, how much exposure did you have to tech in, in Brazil? Is there a community there, and and how did you find a passion for for tech? So there wasn't a community. So I I, st- I, I started uh, in Brazil just doing like you know my personal website, and then I did like a I like travel, so I did a website like for my travels, and I did like a, uh, for, for different places I would travel within Brazil. So it was main, you know, so it wasn't so much programming. It was more like, and it was that was you know back in, you know, ninety something, right, ninety eight, ninety seven. So, uh, so you know, it was the early stage of the internet, so everything was much simpler <laughs> back then. Um, what, so what city in the U.S. did you move to when so you came was, there? Uh, Auburn. Uh, so Auburn, Alabama. So okay. Auburn University. And w- what prompted that decision to leave Brazil behind and, and go to the U.S.? So I've always wanted to go somewhere else, right? So I've always wanted to travel and, and experience other places. And I still do. Like, I, I, know it's, uh, I you know, I'm always moving, moving around. Uh, the, so that was kind of the initial. So it wasn't so much to the U.S. It was like to anywhere. Uh, and it just happened that... Um, well, so before college, I actually went to the U.S. as an exchange student in high school. So I did one year in the U.S. Uh, and it, so it just happened that the programs that were available in Brazil uh, were more common to the U.S. than other countries. So it was kind of just by chance. 
uh, and and then after you know I went back to Brazil, started college, and then they moved back for for university. So, yeah, so it was just like, you know, I just wanted to kind of move to different places. Experience something yeah. new, right. So you, you get to the U.S. and and a little while after you launch your first, uh, well, it's an analytics platform, right? And pretty well ahead of its time. What year was that in? Uh, what year was that? That was in 2000, I want to say 2001 or 2002. So, so before, I mean, if it's before Google Analytics, it's, it's still pretty early there. So it's well ahead of its time. Uh, what kind of success did you have with your first venture into in technology? Uh, not much, I guess. <laughs> I had like, you know, I had a, a free service. I actually was free at, at the time. Like, and, and I, I had a f- you know, few people using. So it wasn't, the f- you know, it was before Google Analytics, but there were plenty of analytics. So I think uh, Web Trends was right around it, and Urshan was the one that Google bought. So those are the two dominant ones. Uh, and there were quite a few other analytics uh, sites. So um, so you, to be honest, it wasn't very efficient, right? So even if I, if I actually had gotten very popular, I think it would have, you know, crashed. Yeah, it would have <laughs> run into some trouble. Uh, but it, it was, um, yeah, so it, it, that, uh, you know, I started to generally go much further. But actually, uh, in terms of, it helped me a lot in terms of development, in terms of, you know, setting up with the features. And, and I had a few people using and a few people trying. And then I, of course, which I'm always like my first customer of everything right. I do. So, I, you know, you could kind of see like the evolution, the, the idea of, of coming up with a, a small project that very, in like, uh, small set of features and then slowly over time seeing what you actually need and then expanding to it. So that was my first kind of, you know, and getting feedback from some people that were using it. I was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if you could do this and that? Right. That's a huge lesson in terms of product development, yeah, right? Exactly. And, and building roadmaps and things like yeah. that. And so. that's usually like a lot of the things that I work on and that I do is, is always like this. You kind of put it out like uh, a small uh, like a product that does something very simple. An MVP, right. Yeah, exactly. And then you see what what people like and what they don't like and how they interact You listen with to it. your customer yeah. and have and takeaways. Ex- expand from there. Right. Yeah. But you have to be careful not to implement everything your customers like or else you're you're constantly on a... I guess a, a good rule of thumb or something that, that I've kind of heard is, you know, you find if, if something gets repeated uh, by your customers as a, as a feature that they'd like you to add on your product, if you start hearing that over and over, that's a good indication that you should yeah, do it. Exactly. But be careful at the same time not to implement everything your customers exactly. are, are asking Otherwise, for. you're just like kind of doing the work for, like for one, and that's, it might not actually be, it might be a distraction right, right. Of, of everything else. Uh, but but that, yeah, that was a good test for me in the, in the beginning of, you know, getting feedback from people and developing different uh, different features based on what people On feedback, needed. right. Yeah. So what, how long did you spend doing that product and, and what led you into your next stage of your life? Yeah, so, so I think with iStats, uh, I think I actually was up until Google Analytics came out and it was free. That's I, when I was, you realize you're facing was, too big of a competition. Yeah, then I was like, I think it's over. Because because all the other big ones, Urshan and WebTrends, they were not free, they didn't have a free version, right? So I was kind of playing around with the free version and kind of you know, people testing. It and uh, so as soon as Google Analytics came out, I was like, oh, and now it's kind of game over. <laughs> um, so, but I, but I, I think I... 
um, yeah, so I, I, you know, I still kind of played with it a little bit after that, and I, I kept, you know, doing a little bit of work because, you know, f when I started iStats, it wasn't so much of, as a business idea initially, right? So it was not like, oh, I'm gonna do this. It was more like it was a side project. It was something I was like I was wanted to. I had interest in it, right? And I was wanting to keep developing. So regardless if it was gonna become a business or not, regardless if Google Analytics was there, it was still my side project that I wanted to continue. So I, I kept working on, t on it until I had the next thing that interests me. Felipe wanted to build something new that he was passionate about. Naturally, his biggest passion was travel. He felt there was an opportunity in social networking for travelers. So he came up with a website called Yao Trip that would allow travelers to share photos, journals, and stories of their travels online. Now, keep in mind this was well before the Facebook era. He eventually pivoted into a platform that would connect people that want to travel together to the same destination. Now, Yao Trip is still live today, and it's quite a compelling project, but competition and customer acquisition costs in the travel space forced Felipe to put the development of Yao Trip on hold. This is probably now what your third project that you're working on in your entrepreneurial journey. Um, What's your direction at this point? What's your what's your ambitions in life? Are you are you looking to build a startup that you could r raise funding for, hire employees, get an office, and grow it, or is this still kind of trial and error entrepreneurial projects? Let's see what I could do and learning experiences yeah. at the same time. No, so at that point I wanted to. So, but but at that point, I, so I was in the U.S. when I did the Yao trip, when I started Yao trip. And uh, in the in the U.S., I uh, I always had to have a full time job. Right? So I had a, a work visa, H one B visa. Part of your visa, right? Yeah. So as soon as you leave the job, you lose the visa, right? So, um, and I was kind of so I was trying a little bit of both, a balance like having the job and keeping my status in the U.S. and be able to stay there, uh, and trying to find funding or trying. And that's how I got involved with a lot of the events. That that by then I was in California. I was living in Sacramento. Um, and I got, I would go to San Francisco or, or Palo Alto for different events every month to try to network and try to find either investors or kind of pitch my ideas and, and whatnot to see if I would be able to do that full time, right? But I couldn't by myself do it full time. Uh, and that's how I actually ended up in Canada. <laughs> mm -hmm. So when I, uh, well, long story short, there was a, like one job I had when I moved from one job to another in the U.S., the paperwork was filed wrong, uh, so I actually had to leave the, the U.S. for a few months before I could come back to work. Uh, so I came to Canada to study French while I was waiting for the paperwork to... So you came to Montreal at that point? So I was in Trois-Rivières. Okay. Uh, but I, yeah, so I came here to Quebec. Uh, so I, but it was just like to study French while I was killing time while the company was filing the paperwork and waiting to, for me to go back to the U.S. And then I'll go back. While I was here, I met a, a few people that were studying French because they were applying for Canadian uh, immigration. Uh, and that's when I learned, I was like, oh, you can actually do it yourself. Uh, it actually takes, you know, less than a year or a year sometimes to, to get it, residency. And I wouldn't have to be required to have a job. And I, I could do my own work. Give you more flexibility. Yeah. Right? So I was like, oh, perfect. So that's what I'll do. So when I go back to the U.S., I will file the, the paperwork from the U.S., uh, and then as soon as I got to come here. So I went back and then it took like uh, nine months for me to get a Canadian uh, um, residency. And I stayed an extra six months in the U.S. saving up some money uh, before I moved here. And then I quit the job and I moved here. So that's how kind of, you know, the 
And and that was the and then when I came here, like I, I then I was able to work full time on Yao Trip. Now that you had all that freedom, right? Yeah. Now now all of a sudden, like it was it was crazy. Like I had so much time because before, like uh, you know, it was limited to you know nights and weekends. So I, I barely had no life, right? Because every weekend, every little minute I had, I had to work on you had to work my project. You had to work on your after yeah. Project. So it was like uh, you know, so uh, all of a sudden I was like, oh wow, there. Are, 24 hours in the day. <laughs> so when you came to Montreal, when you came to Canada, you set up in Montreal right away, right? Yeah. So now you have all this this freedom, this free time, and the project that you're diving full time into is Yao Trip. Was well, right? Yao Trip? Yeah. Right. So uh, and that's how I, I kind of got involved in the Montreal uh, startup community. So the idea was that you know I moved here and I didn't know anybody. I uh, and I was gonna be working from home by myself, right? In that. Uh, so, and because when I was in California, I used to go to a lot of events called, there was a series of events in the U.S. called uh, New Tech events, right? So there was one in New York, uh, there was one in San Francisco, one in Palo Alto, and then it was in Boulder at the time in Colorado. And so I used to go to those events and I presented actually in both of them in San Francisco, in, uh, I presented Yacht Trip in San Francisco, in right. uh, Silicon Valley one, in Palo Alto, and in Boulder also in Colorado. Uh, so, so I was kind of going to those events and networking and trying to get the word out and presenting. Uh, so I, and I thought it was a good idea to kind of foster the, the community, uh, cause so it was a monthly event that you had like four startups presenting every month, uh, quick presentations with questions, uh, and then people network. So this is, this is Montreal New Tech that, that you're, you're talking about. So you come here, you realize that there is a need for more events, more community driven events here. Cause what year is this in at this time? Now that sounds kind of crazy cause there's a lot going on, but yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was 2008. So this is in 2008 that you come here. And so you effectively established Montreal New Tech yeah. in Montreal, which is a monthly meetup for for startups to present ideas in front of other people. Yeah. And at the time, there was not many events here. There was, I don't know if you, you startup drinks. Uh, right? Startup so, drinks, right. So startup drinks also happens monthly, but there's no agenda, right? So people just go and kind of, you know, have a, a drink and kind of network with other entrepreneurs. Um, so there was a startup drinks uh, that that was available. There was a PHP group and there was a lot of user groups, right? So there was some PHP groups, there was a, a JavaScript groups. So there were different groups, but they were not very connected, right? So so I, I, I decided to, to get, get started with the, the new tech. And in the beginning, actually, it was very, very funny because I, I always uh, had to chase, like, towards like the last week of in the month I had to chase around like email people like somebody please present because you know I have to have at least three people presenting to make it interesting right. right and at the time there were not that many startups and there were not many you know uh, so, but you also built the website and and launched all that component of it as well for for new tech yeah there was the startup and there was a meetup doc, meetup group meetup. Okay. so meetup was the main where we would used to get most of the people uh, they would join and then there, there was a uh, like a website for for Montreal new tech and um, I think mainly like on Twitter, like in Facebook. No, I didn't use Facebook at the time, so it was mainly Twitter that I used to use for, um, for to promote new tech. Um, and and then like over and then the com after that the community actually got started getting more more together. Like I uh, I also created like a calendar, which I think they still use a calendar of events that they would combine because you you kind of had to be into like PHP development to be able to know that a PHP event happened, right? So if you so were somebody- an event happening. Yeah, right? so, yeah. So, uh, so, there were, so 
and then if you go to PHP, you wouldn't know the new tech event happen, uh, happens or you, you wouldn't know the startup drinks event happens, right? So I created this Google Calendar that would you know list all those events uh, into one place and then people would just, and then we'll talk to all the other events organizers. Like, let's just share one calendar. When you have events, when you have things, that's all posting there so that the community can kind of know and they can start experimenting with different events. Um, and then over time, actually, we besides the Montreal New Tech, we actually did used to do there was a co-founders lounge like a kind of like a speed dating for co-founder for oh, founders yeah. right that we also organized for a little bit as part of the montreal new tech uh and there was like a like a usability test one so if you have if you're working on a side project and you want people to um test, test your application it, yeah right. find, it was a bug hunt actually so it was more there were two actually that we did one was usability test more just people testing as a user experience and one was more developers trying to actually break your application right so trying to uh, to hack and figure out something that was wrong with it. Right. Um, so anyway, so it was uh, I, I, the idea was always that, that to create the different events for the community, right, and different things that people can get together, and especially for people that were more like me that were working by themselves, right. So like when I I do all those things, like who looks into is it very clear the instructions of how to use the application and now i'm the only the only one looking at sometimes it it's good to have an, a different set of yeah. eyes looking so you at get the like and i remember doing. like there was one site that was working and i thought it was like I, I i worked like the whole week and i was like okay this is perfect it's finished you know it's it's very clear and i go to one of those events and i was like this is depressing i get out of this event and i had that whole list of page of things to do and oh to no. fix right. because you know every time you have somebody else looking at it so actually the one thing is like anything you work on is never finished <laughs> it's never you never but this finish is it. this is very good you know? though this is yeah uh, exactly because you keep evolving right and you keep and you keep like improving things um but th this idea is that you're ever going to be finished with something forget about it mm -hmm. never do it so you you come here with the freedom to work on your own project but you end up working on a, a lot of stuff for the community as well and you end up having a big role into developing and growing the montreal startup community here back in at that time in 2008 so it sounds like you still had your hands full between your startup that you're trying to do at the same time organizing and getting montreal new tech off the ground and making sure these meetups happen and the community grows so uh, essentially how much time did you actually spend on on uh yo tra yao travel and and then like in hindsight, do you wish you had spent more time on that and less on building the community? To be honest, like a lot of the Montreal New Tech didn't really take much time. So all I had to do was email some people every now and then. Uh, and then, you know, as I said, like just uh, like a week before the event itself, I would have to go chase around some people and kind of beg them to to present. Right. So that was the thing that in the first few months, like after after like a few years actually a couple of years like then we have like people actually wanted to present right so it was a different they would uh, come to you instead yeah so it was so then it became actually much easier but the event itself there was not much organized we would do in a bar right in a in a mcgibbons on on bishop downtown uh and they had the second floor for us they had a you know uh like a screen with the, so people would just come with the laptop plug it in they had a the bar there so we didn't have to actually buy uh things or or, or bring things. So there was the organization for me was just like sh just showing up, right? right? So there was no much. Yeah, that's pretty good. Of, um, yeah, so so it actually didn't take much of my time on that. So I, I did spend enough time with uh, Yao Trip. Actually, not so much. <laughs> So when I that's when I got involved with a lot of those Twitter applications, right? So with the Outtrip, as I was developing it, I I started using Twitter as a user 
uh, just figure out how I could leverage Twitter to market the trip once I was kind of finished with it. Um, and then one night, I was kind of, you know, just looking at Twitter and just trying to figure out how people were using. And I kept seeing people ask questions, right? And then some people answering. And I was like, this is crazy. How do you collect, you know, people's answering this, this format, right? And that, that was, you know, way, way, you know, in 2008, right? Before uh, Quora and things like that. Yeah, and then there was and there was no, like, Twitter had no structure and they were like, just struggling There's no to threads stay up. either, yeah, right, but, yeah. Yeah, so they, so I was kind of looking at that and then I remember I had, you know, the web analytics site I had worked before, I had bought these graphics, right? There were these pie charts and all those things there, like this library that was, you know, pretty neat. I was like, oh, I can actually create like a little survey site, right, real quick for Twitter. Uh, and I called like TweetPoll. And I, uh, so I created like in a couple hours, like the, it was very, you know, it was like two forms, like you create one form, like you put your questions and then the next thing you have are the results, right? And people click and vote. Um, and it was fun. So I did that like very quick, like in, in, like in a few hours. Uh, I emailed a lot of the bloggers, right? I actually emailed TechCrunch and a bunch of people and I went to sleep. Next time I woke up, wake up and it was featured on TechCrunch. Just like that. Just like that, so yeah. You, you, you so you get the idea, you create it two hours later, yeah. you start sharing the idea, you wake up the next day the next and it's day, featured on yeah, TechCrunch. Yeah, I had like my, you know, my, my, they, my iStats was going off, you know, crazy because I, had, I was using iStats actually on, uh, on Twitter. Your iStats is the analytics iStats, tool. The analytics, yeah. Right. So, so it was like I had all these this visitors and I was like, uh, you know, it was like, oh, it's, it's featured on TechCrunch. TechCrunch. Um, and so, and then I was like, okay, let me put the outtrip a little bit on the side and see what what this what happens with this one, right? Uh, and then I started like adding a few things more to to the survey. I was like, oh, now you can create like two different questions. Now you can kind of you know create two you know two questions, and then you know two different graphs, two different presentations. And slowly, I started adding more things, and uh, because the 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 thing with Twitpoll, that was the name of the. Um, it still is actually it's still out there. None, none of my projects ever die. <laughs> really, this is yeah, still, 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 still in there. existence. <laughs> yeah, Twitpo is still there. Uh, and the um, so when uh, the, the nature of Twitpo was actually viral in nature, right? So you were using Twitter. It had a virality so, aspect yeah, to it, right? So so when when people got a first in, in from TechCrunch and they were like, oh, okay, I'll create a, a question and put it there. Then people, they would have to tell enough people, like, you know, to answer, please answer my question. Right. And then somebody that answers the question would go ahead and create another one. And was so it on. integrated within Twitter or was it? Uh, Not a really, actually. So, which is funny because the, uh, I think I, I was, you know, just lucked out that I, I think I emailed the people and I didn't even, I don't didn't know anybody at that current, right? I just emailed, uh, you know, uh, cold emailed them. Yeah, just for the info or, you know, tips or news or whatever it is that the email was. Uh, and the I think it was just at the exactly right time that I guess they didn't have much going on. Mm. Uh, and at the time, like anything that people did with Twitter, they would post. It was kind of like and a few years later, it was Very with uh, you know a- a- apps, right? So any little app you did, like the, you know for iPhone, you know it doesn't matter how good it was, how bad it was, or what it did, it would it, it would got coverage. So it was just at the ex- exactly time. So I emailed them, and then they they wrote about it. And so I just, so I decided to spend some time and trying to figure out like you know, where it could go, right? Uh, and then a week later, uh, so I was looking at, at Twitter and what kind of different services and different things they were missing, right? From So I was like, oh, yeah, you can do like a survey. So I created another one, Tweetvite, for events, right? That people can create events and people can RSVP using Twitter. Oh, sorry, your question was the if there was any integration with Twitter. 
which is funny is because there was besides the name there was no, actually nothing right. in, in, integrated it was, it was integrated with the Twitter API right. yeah it was just like a you know a link the link was you know had the Twitter name into it right um, but there was and you you would be able to you put your Twitter handler and then you would link to your Twitter profile but that was about it there was no API integration at right. the time um, later like I added like a lot of things that you could vote with hashtags you could vote on Twitter and then you capture the votes so later on there, there were different features that was added but at that time there was nothing so a week later I did the Tweetvite which is the uh, event application uh, and it was the same thing a week I did in a couple uh, this time it took a little longer so I took a couple days to do it I emailed TechCrunch they wrote about it a week later wow again featured yeah. twice on TechCrunch yeah. and, well it, and there's more <laughs> oh there's more yeah so it was, it was like I was like wow that's nice and then I, I, I was like I started looking well, what else is missing there what else is it doing so I did another one tweet uh, I think at the time it was called tweet away like to give away things but then I changed tweet coupon uh, no, actually, it was two separate ones. Twitter Away became uh, one contest for contests, but and then I did. That, but the, the third one was coupon, tweet cu- uh, coupon, so you can create like coupons and then share on Twitter, so people would uh, you know have you know choose the marketings, right? Uh, and then same thing. I emailed them the next week. They wrote about. So within three weeks, I was featured like three different. Uh, Within three weeks, you're yeah. featured three times, three times on TechCrunch, tech all yeah. through cold emails. I'm sure they're starting to get to know you at this yeah, point. Yeah, they did because then they would mention my name. That it was like, oh, the guy that did this one did this one. So that, that at that point, it was kind of it went kind of very fast of that little, you know, little fame. Yeah. <laughs> but it went up and down very fast. Um, but it was it was it was it was interesting. And then it got me thinking because and then yeah, I call back. Then I look at my my the traffic and the and the amount of people that were visiting Yao Trip, right, my travel site. And for the Tweetpot, what I got in one week of visitor was what I had gotten the whole year with Tweetpo, with uh, Yao Trip before. So I was kind of like, well, maybe I should, I have people Focus here. Focus your energy yeah. here. Yeah. And it was not, that's the thing, it was not only people that just came once for the article and, and left, people kept using it, right? People kept like kept doing things. Which is an like, important metric to be paying attention to. Yeah, so to. it was like, and then it, so, but, it was, but there was not much there, right? So you still have to develop a lot, a lot more. Uh, so I, you know, I needed, so I was kind of, oh, at the time, I thought I was like, let me put the out trip a little bit on the side, and let me focus on those things, right? But instead of focusing on those those things, I kept developing. I developed more than like ten or fifteen of those little apps that were based. So what I did basically, I went on, um, I think Yahoo at the time. Uh, you know, they have the or any kind of Craigslist. They have all those categories, right? And I was like, jobs, tweet jobs. Uh, you know, contests, anything that was kind of, you know, right. autos or anything. Any kind of subgroup gonna, within. Any subgroup that Twitter didn't have because at the time Twitter couldn't do anything. They were struggling just to keep the services up, right? right. Uh, where Facebook, they they, they were already kind of developing. Oh, yeah, you can do, you know, like you do even photos. Twitter didn't even have photos at the time. Right. Like it was TweetPeak. It was all side, you know, all third parties. Even the apps, they didn't even have an app or anything like, uh, you know, so they had nothing. They, all they had to do was keep their, their service up. So that was a good opportunity because, which, you know, I knew and everybody knew that you, you, it wouldn't last forever because eventually they would get there, right? So you knew, uh, so, so they could either buy you out. So there was one of the, the options that I that was kind of, you know, if I can grow that big enough that they would buy you out or they would just do it themselves and kind of kill you, right? Right. Uh, which I... You know they kind of they kind of did some you know with it, but not. not so they, much yeah, right. they they add, they incorporate a lot of elements that you that you were working on at that yeah. time into their platform, and uh, others not. So is, that's the route they ended up going. I guess they they just focus on building them in house. Did you have any communication with Twitter d- directly? Uh, I don't. Th- 
the room i don't think so i i've i, I went because i spent some time in san francisco and then i, I went so there i went to a twitter conference uh once in in la and then uh there were a bunch of people that were you know doing uh, also Twitter. i don't think i met anybody from twitter there uh but i had a friend that was actually working at twitter and then i, I think i went there uh i actually had two friends working at twitter and i went to just to visit them and then one i kind of i was like hey you know pass it along like you know some of the those things and see but I, it, it didn't go anywhere Hey guys, just a quick word from one of our sponsors, Breather, that helps make this podcast possible. Breather's mission is to empower companies with private workspace that helps them meet their full potential. Growing rapidly, Breather has a network of over 400 workspaces across 10 global markets available on demand for hours, days, or months at a time with no membership or subscription fee. To learn more, visit breather.com. Now you packaged all these projects into one called 63 Labs at the time. That's that's what that encompassed, right? It was all these um, these Twitter f- tools. Yeah. So so 63 Labs then it became like this this hub of of all the different projects I was working on, right? So it was uh, so most of them were those Twitter based ones, uh, and then there was the Yao trip that that was you know that then became this the travel guide, you know. Um, and and then there was the, I did also like an assistant one like the uh, to be able to route like for uh, to assist in like sales people like to route you the best way to uh, visit clients right based on different uh, properties that you add so they were like so there was not they were not all uh, Twitter based or social media based uh, so it was just like any projects I was kind of working on. Um, but these, so all these projects together that that you package together into sixty three labs that you're working on, uh, none of them were essentially bringing in revenue at that time. No, right? they were, or, or they were. Yeah. So how how were you monetizing these? Yeah. So so actually a lot of the the Twitter ones. So the tweet poll, uh, one contest, which was the contest application, uh, tweet vite did did for a little bit. So they were all bringing revenue. Uh, and the way it was, you would subscription model, right? So people would pay. Uh, to so the you limit some of the things that they can do right so the surveys you could yeah you can use for free up to a hundred volts up after that you have to pay uh, and then also like because it was I guess featured on that TechCrunch article um, and then I had actually a lot of big companies using so Microsoft was using a survey for a long time BlackBerry was using a bunch of the airlines wow. used uh, TVs like reporters they would use I actually saw uh, like you know back a long time ago on in CNN on Chile. When they had their elections, they actually displayed my graph, like you know, and they had a little bump effect to the graph, the pie chart when you fall, when you fell, so you could see you know that in the news. Wow, there were cool. there were journalists in um, South Korea actually doing their elections. Actually, somebody was arrested for creating a tweet poll <laughs> in South Korea because apparently it's, you're not allowed to create surveys like that, you know, or wow. at the time. So there were like uh, quite a few people using uh, in, a, in a lot and of paying big business. customers too, and then paying customers. Yeah, right. so they were for the surveys. Uh, and then the contest, the contest, uh, like I had the WWE in the U.S. They used for a long time. The events is actually like uh, like a lot of the casinos in Las Vegas. They would all use for their tweet apps. They used to organize. They would all use to uh, to invite. So a lot of 
um, yeah, they used to do like events like within the the social media marketing, you know, people uh, like social events within the casinos, and all of them they were all using. Um, and I think they, yeah, some of the, some of them were paying, and then some of them they would just use the free. So, version. so how much time did you spend working on on sixty three labs, and and what led you to transition out of it? I know your projects never die, so it's some of yeah, it is so still, it's still kind of yeah, I'm still kind of you know working on it, so it still kind of goes. Uh, so when uh, I was getting, so I had this uh, stream of revenue from those apps, right? So I was not, uh, and I was working by myself, so I was not bound to stay in one place. And then it goes back. My always wanted to kind of expo- to explore travel, and travel, right. so I decided to travel. Right, so I decided to spend like three months in each place. Uh, so every three months I would move. So I'll go to Europe for three. It's not a bad life. Yeah, it was nice. <laughs> so I'll go to Berlin. I stay in Berlin. I like Berlin a lot. So I stayed three months in Berlin, uh, and then I'll come back. You know, and then I'll go to Russia for three months, and then come back to Europe, and then go to Turkey for three months, and come back to Europe. So for visa, prob- I can only stay three months as a tourist, right? So I'll stay three months at a time, and kind of go in and out of Europe. Uh, in, in between Russia, uh, the Balkans, uh, and then Turkey. So you so went through a period of travel at this point. Yeah, and travel and working. Right? And working yeah, at the so same time. Yeah, so I was still doing a lot of, of, of the, 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 the work. Uh, but at the time, it was kind of decreasing a little bit. So it was more like maintaining, actually, not so much uh, developing. And then when you had some clients that they needed some specific things uh, that they wanted, then I would do a little bit of work for them because they build out new features for them right yeah just just specific things this is all a one-man show right like you have no one else that you're working with yeah it was all me yeah so that's the thing so i I, um you know i'm a software developer background right but i can do design slightly so even all the logos designs and you know i I do so uh, you know they're not great you know but they are they get by decent yeah they can kind of get by um yeah so i did uh, so i did that and uh and then, so the next thing, the next phase was uh, was a little bit uh, different, um, I guess, aspect of, of, of that. So as I was working on that and I was living in Turkey, I kind of decided to, kinda, oh, I, kinda, I was, I was kind of seeing a lot of the things in the news about the refugee crisis that was going on, uh, from people from Syria that were living in Turkey. Uh, and then I decided to, I was like, oh, since I, I can, um, I don't actually have to work anywhere. I can actually, I've been moving to different places, uh, you know, for, you know, four years, of it, you know, by then. Uh, so I, I could go there and try to do something, right? Um, and so that was kind of the reason that I got involved in the next project, right? Which is the Revi. It's like Refugee Volunteers of Izmir. Uh, Izmir was the town in Turkey where I moved to. The next phase of Felipe's life would be totally different and transformative. Inspired to have an impact and provide support to Syrian refugees in Turkey, Felipe decided to stay in the country and commit his time to volunteering. He provided them with necessities like clothing and food, and eventually began setting up schooling programs and selling bracelets to support the cause. His work there centered around providing something more than man hours and donations, but building a program that would transcend beyond his time there. Felipe took a lot of the business concepts that he learned in tech, pivoting, customer feedback, product roadmaps, and apply them to a humanitarian project he cares deeply about. He did this for a total of two years, and this nonprofit is still active today. Ultimately, his work led him back to Montreal to begin the next chapter of his life. So now I'm working on Untask, right? When Untask is a um, like an intelligent task manager, which is actually it's it's new. So I've been working on this for like five months, 
the second iteration, but actually I have worked on the, on uh, the first iteration. Like I actually I was looking when I bought the domain it was like five years ago. So it's I've been kind of it was one of those projects on the side of, of the things that I did. And my biggest problem with that I was trying to, that I'm trying to solve with the task has always been when I worked on all the, in several projects, I uh, I constantly have to reprioritize what I have to work on. So I constantly have to, you know, regardless if I use any, any sort of application or if I do, for the longest time, I just write the things on, on a pen and, pen, and, and paper, like what I have to do. But constantly, like, oh, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm planning to do this, this this week. And then something comes up or you come up with new things to do. And, not, you know, some and things get And it gets put get, on the back burner. Right? Yeah. And then, you, so the next week, you have to replan everything and reorganize. And then the following week. So you constantly have to do this thinking all the time. So... What I was wanting to do was to do an application that would tell me, that would automatically prioritize everything and tell me what exactly what I should be working on next, right? So the first version, version of Untask, it did pretty well, some uh, that, and I actually used for until five months ago, until the second version came out. <laughs> uh, but but it, only it only dealt with uh, one person team. So because I did it for me. It was so individual, only, right? Yeah. So only does if you're working by yourself, it, it wouldn't handle teams, right? It wouldn't handle companies. Uh, and that's with this new version, what I was trying to do was to in, incorporate that you would handle teams and you, you would handle companies and, and, and so forth and different features. So so uh, Unta Untask is a is a intelligent task manager. It's, there's some AI components built into it, sort of like a Santa, but a little bit smarter, right? But yeah. um but, Assigning a task as important or by importance could be subjective too at that point. So how do you how do you get around that? How does the how does the task manager know what to prioritize in your day? So so the way it works is so when you create a task, uh, you have this basic priority that you set, right? So which is like oh it's medium important, very important, critical, whatever. So you set this this basic one. Um, so on task we use that you know whatever you character you know initially give as a uh, priority, uh, but then over time you will adjust and how it will adjust. For example, if you say something is critical to do, you know, a task will assume it's uh, something very important, right? Mm -hmm. It's critical. So you will bring it up to, for you to do, you know, right away or right away, in a, right. in a, in a soon. When you, when you use it and then you, you look at it and then you, you can choose the way a task goes now, you, you will suggest only one task to do, right? And you can choose, you either start working on it or you skip it, right? If you skip it, basically what you're doing is saying that this thing that you previously said it was very important, it's not that important anymore, right? Because so it changes yeah. the priority. So of the then, task. then it's yeah. Then over time, it kind of changed the, the priority. So it changed the priority from there, and it handles with teams too. So that that's, that's the thing. So if we, the three of us, you know, like three of us, we are developers, right? So you have tasks that developers can do. It doesn't mean that you know you have to do or I have to do. It's like the developer can do. So if something's assigned to you, and then you for some reason you skip it. It, for you, it's not as important anymore, but it can be important for for me and for uh, for, for the other one. So, uh, so, th so that's it adds a, a third dimension there because it's not just an individual task planner. It needs to factor in other members of the group. Exactly, and then there, there's several like uh, uh, different uh, variations in the, in the thing. So, if you, you, you for some tasks, you may set a uh, like a, a due date, right? So it doesn't have to be done on that date, but by that day, by you know, by, and then as the as it approaches that date, that task slowly gets more 
important, right? Because it's getting closer to, to the due date. Uh, there's, you know, the no, whole notion of dependency, right? So if a task has, you know, several tasks dependent on it, that task now it's more important because there's all the tasks waiting for it, right? And the same way the tasks they are waiting for it, they're not important because it cannot be done anyway because there's a dependency on it. Right. Um, so, in, and then the projects that you work, you can have the ranking in the projects, right? So if I do, like, for example, when I was working on, you know, Tweetpo on one contest or whatever, Tweetpo is more important. So any tasks that are associated with Tweetpo, now it gains a little bit more importance right, right. from that, that base priority that I set. So a very important task on Tweetpo is a little more important than a very important task on one contest or something, right? Um, you're, you're a one-man team right now on on. Untasked. What is your plan with this project? Is it similar to the other projects that you've had in your entrepreneurial career with 63 Labs and and uh, Yao Travel, things like that? Or is this one where you actually plan on now hiring a team around you maybe in the future? Yeah, I, I, I want to. So like I, I've, I've been talking to a few investors, a few people about it. Um, and so so I, I would like to do that. So, the, so was there still like some more talk <laughs> about it? Um, yeah. So so at the moment I'm, I'm you know I'm also looking into uh, different companies that can kind of try it out. So ideally I want to be like embedded within them. So so I can kind of see how how it works. So uh, you know it's still very early stage, right? So as I said, I worked on this. You know, it's been five months, and I've been testing like of course by myself working on the on my projects or on task tasks <laughs> uh, and also with the, the group in turkey i've been trying with them because a lot of the things in turkey like a lot of the bracelets i do some of the designs right and then i send to them they send to the families the families make and then somebody has to take photos and then they send to me and then somebody puts on the website so, so there's the idea of the team collaboration Right, uh, so we've been using Untask a little bit with with the team there in Turkey. Um, so it works pretty well for like you know teams there like not there remotely, or even if you were like in the same space. But at least you can kind of work. Uh, you can focus by yourself on your, you know on your work, and you sync you know every, you know all other tasks like on a couple right. of weeks where, where to see where the team is in the the long term. Um, and then the project managers, for example, if you have a project manager in, in, in your team, they can focus more on the long-term uh, goal and the long-term pro- planning instead of this daily micromanaging of, of the team, right? right. Uh, which is kind of a waste of time, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that it sounds like it would solve a lot of uh, a lot of bottleneck issues in in business uh, and and workflow and things like that. Um, You've, you're a man, obviously, that's traveled a lot around the world. Um, you are living in Montreal now, but you're, you're very mobile. Um, what, what, what have you seen? What is your favorite city yourself? And what city have you... How does Montreal compare to other cities that you've traveled to in terms of the, the technology scene? Yeah, so, so my favorite cities, like, uh, so to live, if I had to pick a city to live, it would be Berlin. Uh, and Montreal, actually. Montreal is Those one of my favorite cities. Yeah, my top two. Montreal to in the summertime, though. Actually, I do like winter here. <laughs> you do like winter? Yeah, I'm maybe one of the few. I actually, for the, the, when I, every, when I, the four years that I was traveling, I would always come back for the winter. And oh then I had, so I was like, I want, if, I want a real winter. So I, I actually do like winter here. Yeah. Uh, well, I grew up in Brazil, so I had summer my whole life. So it's like I've had my share of summer. Um, so uh, to visit, uh, like Istanbul is my favorite city. I think it's very unique, uh, and it's very like it's it's just like there's so much history, so much going on. 
Uh, I love it. And in terms of startup uh, community, uh, it has changed a lot, right? So like back when I first started traveling, I, I used to go to Berlin. Before I actually did the whole traveling, I used to spend only, I was between here and Berlin. So I spent three months in Berlin, nine months in Montreal. So that's why I did it for the first uh, few years I was here in Montreal. Uh, and Berlin was way far ahead of, of Montreal in terms of startup. Like it, it was much more developed. Um, it was it was it was a lot going on. A lot of the events were like you know you you had monthly events that would pack like you know three hundred you know people every you know f for every different event. And well, he much rather new tech. I was struggling to get like fifty to eighty people. Right now it's actually better. Now I think they get like you know go to two hundred three hundred in the in the new tech events. Um, but back in the day it was not. Now the one thing that I I, I liked about a lot actually about the way the startup community in Montreal was, um, was because it was a lot of grassroots things. So there were a lot of people uh, working on personal projects where like, I just, I don't see that much. Like I actually have, I just started kind of going, you know, to a lot of the events again, but a lot of the thing, the, the, the things I see lately is more, you know, people wanted to work for a startup instead of wanting to do their own project and the product. thing is like in a lot of in the very beginning a lot of a lot of the people that uh they were doing projects they were not thinking like like maybe because it personally i identify more with that so maybe it's not a fair uh assessment right uh but a lot of the people i i met in the, in the when they first moved here they didn't really care about making a company they didn't really care about making uh, you know a product that people will pay for they just had a personal interest in whatever they were working on they're like, I'm doing this because I ha I I want to because this is, I want it's for me or I want to use. So I I used to see a lot more of that uh, before, where now it seems to be the, the where I didn't used to see that in San Francisco actually. In the Bay. so when I used to go to the Bay Area, there it was more everything. Everybody wanted to work for a startup. Everybody wanted to raise money. Everybody wanted to be a big shot. But we're here, people like I want to work on this because I. I like it. And it was actually always fun. Like all the startup, uh, all the new tech events we had, a lot of the presentations, there was always one of the questions that people ask. It was like, oh, what's your revenue, revenue, well, your business model? What's your, you know, your revenue? People always are like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't care. That was a, so it was, it was the last thing that people would think about it. Um, and actually, in a way, when uh, I think this is a good um, way to actually develop a company and develop a product because you feel much more creative when you don't have things to think about money. When I first moved here, right, the first, when I was working on all those Twitter products, the only reason probably I got involved with them was because I didn't have, I didn't need money. So I had saved money for one year and I decided, I was like, for one year, I'm not going to work and I'm not going to worry about money. So what I was just going to do, whatever comes out of my mind. And it was the most creative time I had because you, you didn't have this restriction. After that first year, my money ran out. <laughs> so everything I had to do from that point on is like, it was, is, are people going to pay for it or not? Right. So uh, there were times that I would think about something and I was like, no, I can't do this because I just don't see people paying it, paying for it. Right. Even though I had a, like a, this, this hunch or this interest in it, I just wouldn't do it because I, I needed the money. So so in a way, you know, it's kind of like, uh, the, you know, when you put like when you overthink too much and when you put too much of a uh, or you have to, you know, into make into a business, it kind of restrict you, your creativity. So much I think, you know, now it's. I don't know if you lost that, but, uh, you know, maybe it just evolved and matured, right? right so it kind of right. grew it as a community. If I were to come back five years from now and, and tell you, maybe not specifically focus on untasked, but I just tell you, 
Felipe yourself, your brand is and the projects you're working on are a huge success. What does that success look like to you? So you you know usually you you know you define or associate success with money, right? And then, but I think like in in you can in general like you know and I guess I would apply that to my my things too. You can always look of of anything is actually success <laughs> that you do. You know even things that that. Because you're always learning, right? So you you and you always evolve in a way. You're always changing. So if you you do something that like Yao Trip, right? That I did, it has had like four or five iterations. So did the first one fail? Well, if I hadn't done the first one, I wouldn't have got to the second one, or the third one, or the fourth one, or the fifth one, right? And then and then you can say like and let's say like the the the, the fifth one is the one that succeed, right? In quotes, or you know, either people start paying, start making money, or people, you know. Uh, but without all the other ones, you wouldn't have gotten there. Felipe Coimbra, serial entrepreneur and founder of Untask. To listen to more stories from local startup founders, visit montrealstartups.ca slash podcast, available on all your streaming platforms. If you have questions or comments about our show, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at info at montrealstartups.ca.